Welcome to the Dragons Podcast, where we host conversations within the Dragons international community that explore the boundaries of place and purpose. Where There Be Dragons is an organization committed to cross-cultural education as a tool for breaking down barriers. This series contributes to our mission of enhancing understanding between people and communities around the world. I'm your host, Bub, a Dragons alumni, having gone to Indonesia as part of my gap year in 2014. We hope these conversations offer you fresh perspective and inspire curiosity, appreciation, and respect for our planet, ourselves, and others. Thank you for listening. In this episode of the Dragons podcast, I speak with Reed Harwood. Reed began working with Where There Be Dragons in 2005 as a field instructor in Tibet and India, and is now the executive director at Dragons. He gives unique insights into what makes dragons, well, dragons, and shares stories of his impactful experiences abroad. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. And I wanted to start out with what led you to dragons? Um, well, I think that's a big question. I think, um, you know, many of the things in my life kind of meandered to lead me to dragons. Um, when I think about like building blocks in my life and building experiences that led to dragons, I think of a few things. Uh, the first one is my childhood. I grew up rural in rural Massachusetts and it just like naturally developed a love for being in nature and wildness and adventure, um, you know, and exploration. And also living rural, we had a strong sense of community. And both those things are, are intimately involved with our work at Dragons. It's, it is a community. It's community work. Um, the values are community-based. And, and uh, we have an appreciation for beauty, you know, nature um so that's kind of like i think the foundation of, of what led me to dragons is just that upbringing um that, that expansive upbringing in, in the woods and then yes. you know like many I, I, mean, I had a transformative gap experience when i was 18 i did a mole semester in the rocky mountains mm-hmm. and um you know if there's if there's one event like particular experience that redirected my life it would be my whole semester I, I think probably like a lot of dragon gap semester attendees my mole's experience radically shifted my direction and where i was headed and um you know developed a love for experiential education and, and being in wild landscapes um being in a small group of of people and peers where together and we had a community together what what do you think was uh, i guess your biggest realization during your Knowles course mm. I, I think i think like when people ask that about you know, how does the dragons how does your dragon semester impact you it's kind of hard to answer that and yeah in like one moment but I, I remember i remember flying home back to massachusetts and and um, when I got home, I told my mother, I don't want any presents for Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I was 18 and I'd just been in the woods for 90 days and I was coming back for Christmas, you know, very materialistic event in our culture. 
And, and, you know, I had that experience of just overwhelmed with materialism. Uh, and so I think that my Knowles course started me on that journey, which has been a big journey ever since. Um, and just learning that there's other ways to live um, and be in the world and that those materialistic traditions aren't necessarily, um, you know, what I want to participate in. So that, I think that was a big impact on my Knowles experience. And then in general, just knowing that I could be not self-sufficient, but uh, live and be happy with less out in the woods um, and experience myself and others in different ways. Yeah, I, I think that reminds me of, yeah, definitely at least one aspect that I felt coming back from Indonesia and in that to realize that, yeah, I could be health, uh, happy, healthy, content mm -hmm. in this other world that um, was so different from mine. Yeah, it was also a very, yeah. a big, a big wake up call. Yeah, I think a lot of us who have these experiences, it's the the grocery the grocery store experience, right? When you get back, and I feel like a lot yes. of people resonate with that experience of the first time in a grocery store after being away, so to speak. And when you get into that grocery store and you see the fifty different choices of cereal, it's you've never looked at cereal in that way, right? You're looking at cereal yeah. in a different way, and when you look at life in a different way, you know. In terms of what you're where your mental framework is at now, what gets you up in the morning? In, uh, I, gu I guess yeah. in terms of passion, mostly like what, what keeps you going, what keeps mm -hmm. you driving? Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is my family, of course. I've got a three-year-old boy, six-year-old boy, wife, um, so... I'm learning a lot uh, in terms of how to be a dad and you know, you know, family life. So that's always that's always first and foremost kind of just what drives me to to make choices in my life. Friends, all my choices, but also the dream, the dragons family too. Um, I really do feel like I'm a part of a worldwide global community that's heading towards something that's that's pointed toward something that's important and needed um and so knowing that i'm a part of that and the work that i do here in the administration at dragons is is supporting sort of our collective efforts towards you know a healthier planet um both environmentally speaking and, and relationships between humans um, that that gets me up in the morning i think that there's just this sort of ambient belief that I have that you know, my life is is a part of that historical arc and narrative toward uh, toward something that we all hope for. Uh, as cheesy it may sound, but you know, that's my experience. Yeah, um, you kind of mentioned a bit about where Dragons is headed. I guess what are you most excited about working on in terms of Dragons in the next year or two? Yeah, um, you know, what we do best at Dragons is, is we provide experiences for people, you know, in different contexts, and that's what we love to do, and, and we love doing that in a, in a variety of ways. Um, you know, historically, it's been summer programs and gap year programs, but it's been really fun to 
um, use our pedagogy and engage with different demographics. And so that's exciting. We've been engaging with college students in the college study abroad programming. We're starting to run programs for adults, which is just really exciting um, to run you know, programs that have folks from the age of 25 to 75. So running you know, basically multi-generational programming is, is really cool. Uh, there's a lot of new learning there for us as an organization, and it's exciting and really rich and profound. Um, and then just diversifying our student body in general in all of the programming is, is something that we're all aimed, aimed at and looking forward to and trying to promote uh, things like our, our Dragons Fund, etc. So I think you know, we're constantly trying to innovate in, our, in the ways in which we engage people out there in the world. And that's always the most exciting thing. You can touch on Dragons Fund or this question more broadly, but how do you see the dynamic of the diversity of the students currently and how how can that be shifted? Yeah, it's it's a tough question in our industry and I think something we're all wrestling with. Um, yeah. We've seen our programming become more diverse over the last 10 years, naturally, um, but also we've started the Dragons Fund um, and we're also committed to to financial aid in ways that, that diversify our student body. Um, you know, it's not just about having the funds to support students, but it's also about being in communities and forming partnerships with organizations that that can connect us to diverse communities that we normally or historically wouldn't have access to. Um, so we have partnerships with a program called Gateway for College. Um, Say the name again. A Gateway to College. Okay. And that's a program for... Um, Basically, you know, students who didn't finish high school but are trying to get back on track and get into college, and that's a neat partnership. And we recently formed a new partnership with um, the Bishop Paiute Tribe out of Bishop, California. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. So that's a a really meaningful, important partnership that we just created. We run our staff trainings out in Bishop, California, so we've we've developed a relationship there. And there are other partners that we have that um, help us um, communicate to different communities that Dragons is for them, and and we're really excited to work with them and and, and we collaborate with them to to make it happen um, and support them throughout the process and after the process too is is a big part of that narrative. It's not just about uh, you know checking a box and diversifying your student body, but it's about how do you do that well, how do you how do you support a new demographic of student through a Dragon's experience? And that's all really important. Yeah. The, I want to touch on the community aspect a little bit in that, you know, Dragon's success or I guess Dragon's um, ability to do what it does is also very reliant on the communities abroad yeah. that yeah. students live with and engage with, yeah. I guess, what what is the onboarding process like of um mm. like finding new communities that want to be a part of yeah. this experience and like i guess what is that relationship like what like what incentivizes them to want yeah. to be yeah. a part of it yeah 
That's great. I think Dragons does this in a really different way than most organizations. Um, and it's a really important distinction. Uh, and it, I think the answer is actually in the question as you asked about relationships. Um, Dragons is founded upon personal relationships um, as opposed to a more transactional sort of ground operator model. Um, so a lot of our communities become a part of Dragons through our instructor community. We partner with incredible instructors who have lived with these communities, uh, whether it's through the Peace Corps or their own personal travels. Um, so a lot of our community partners come through an already established relationship with a particular instructor. It's fostered mm -hmm. that relationship and it has this vision and connection to the community that, hey, this would be a good fit um, if Dragons were engaging in this community. Um, and so I think the backbone of our programming is about relationships. Um, and, and that's different, I think, in a lot of other organizations. There's usually a ground operator and the, and the provider like Dragons says to the ground operator, we need a community. And the ground operator goes and finds one. Yeah. Um, for Dragons, I, I, it, it, our best work and the way we do it is it bubbles up from our instructor community. Often and the relationships that we forge over time. So it's, I think it's slow. It's a slow process. I think it's an intentional process and um, one that we hope is is based on reciprocity and um, and and intimacy. What do you What do you think communities like about dragons, or what keeps them um, wanting to be a part of dragons? I've heard a lot of stories over the years. Uh, I think that communities love students, you know, just like a lot of our instructor community that they're in it for the students. And um, a lot of our communities enjoy hosting students. Um, there's a lot of cross-cultural learning that happens, mm -hmm. um, which is always, always a benefit. Um, I think different families probably have different reasons, right? So it's, I don't know if there's a monolithic narrative to that. Yeah, um, you know certainly there's a financial benefit at times, um, and so yeah, we find that our communities are you know engaged with dragons in different ways for different reasons. But one thing is shared experiences is you know just learning about new and different people and different cultural ways is is something that our communities um, appreciate and thrive on. Yeah, I, I'm curious. How do you, how do you stay engaged as mm -hmm. that you're in the office, and of course you have yeah. your team that's yeah. engaged in different ways than you are. But what are your ways of staying, uh, yeah. I guess, nimble on your feet, if that makes sense? Yeah, yeah that's great. Um, <clears throat> well, in three days, I'm leaving on a two week trip to visit our communities, heading um, to Indonesia, uh, and, uh, and Thailand. And I feel like it's really important for me to spend time with our communities um, and student groups. So those are the two goals for, for my trip is to connect with our students and, and hear their stories, but also connect with our communities and, and hear their stories and ask very similar questions that, that you're asking me. Uh, and, and I can do this every so often um, annually, but really it's our program directors and instructors who are 
in contact with our communities daily and making sure that the relationships are healthy and, and um, reciprocal and that there's good feedback channels between them and us. Uh, and so, you know, my team does, does the work really well and I'm grateful for them for that. And I'm excited to go myself and, and yeah, stay connected and, and nimble on my feet and remember uh, you know, what the work is that we're doing. Because it's very different being here in Boulder in my office than as opposed to actually sitting down for tea, um, exchanging exchanging gifts and laughter and, and stories. Yeah. Will you also be staying with local hosts in some yep. of the places? Yep. And I guess I was just thinking because there are now, I guess, with technology, like different ways that you can stay connected without necessarily, you know, visiting the places, what changes have you noticed that technology has um, made happen? I would say that there's there's certainly more connectivity via WhatsApp and WeChat and, and other and other platforms where we're all in touch more often, which mm-hmm. is really fun. Um, and I would say that in a lot of ways, a lot hasn't changed. Um, you know, our programs don't integrate technology um, as, as, a, as a part of our programming explicitly, um, at least on, on a daily level. So, so in some ways, I, I'd like to say that, um, you know, we're, we're wary of that and, yeah. and really value, boy, that, that sort of unscripted time where you're in your homestay and and feeling into boredom, you know, and and just that's where the magic starts to happen. And um, you know, if we integrate technology, that those moments are far and few between. So I think technology's helped stick you know, our instructor community, which is a global community, um, stay connected. But uh, in terms of the student experience, we really wary of that. Although I would say that a lot of students are more in touch with their host family, for example, because of yeah. these platforms, which is awesome. And I think a, a huge benefit from you know, 15 years ago is it was really hard to stay in touch. So in terms of folks staying, staying in, in contact and nurturing those relationships that they had on course, uh, we've seen a lot of that. And that's really cool because uh, those are lifelong relationships. You know? Yeah, I, I, I have that myself. I have... Yeah. Many friends. Well, I think it's most directly impacted me in that I went back to Indonesia and uh, went with my family. And just this, the fact that I was able to reach out beforehand or help plan it in that sense, um, being connected with them definitely helped. And then even, yeah, whether it is just seeing something they post on Facebook or whether it's yeah. directly messaging them or staying in contact. Um, it's it's also kind of an interesting dilemma in my mind, I guess, that it is it becomes a different relationship. For instance, I lived with a 92-year-old grandpa yeah. in Yogyakarta in Indonesia. And I guess... I treasured the time with him so much that I feel that it would, you know, change. And maybe that's just me being scared of change in a sense. But 
you know, my relationship would change with him based on our communication over, um, Mm -hmm. over the internet rather than in person. But I guess I was thinking earlier was, how do you imagine approaching parenting with technology in comparison to instructing? Because like you're saying, there's magic that happens without the technology in these instances. But it's also like permeated our world. How are you thinking about that as a dad? (laughs) (laughs) Um, If I'm going to be totally honest, I'm trying not to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) My my boys are six years old and three years old. So I have the benefit of of, uh, (laughs) hunting that one down the line. Uh, cause it's thorny and complicated. I know it's, it's not an easy answer. And, yeah. Um, obviously I'm, you know, I engage with technology and, and I, I get that it of course has lots of benefits and it's integrated into my daily life and, and will be for my children too. So I think it's about just finding what's right for me and my family at, you know, as they grow into different ages too. Yeah. Uh, so what's going to work for them at 10 years old? Is very different than 15 and 20, et cetera. So, um, but, but I will say that I'm committed to having experiences that, that, that don't rely on it too. So it's not like I'm anti-technology, but I also want to make sure that my kids can get lost in the woods without their cell phone to yeah. guide them back per se, or be in a market in Indonesia and lose track of time um, because their phone's not in their pocket. So I, I've really valued those experiences in life and I definitely want to be committed to making sure that my kids have that ex- expansive experience that's, um, that can come from removal from technology. Yeah, yeah. Um, How about, I know you travel um, periodically with dragons and maybe mm-hmm. this is from earlier in your travels or more recently, but can you tell me about the most memorable person you've encountered during your travels and how they impacted you? Well, I I mean, it's really hard to answer that. The last 15 years of my life has been in the context of dragons. And when I travel now, it's, it's within the dragons community and I'm, I'm connecting with deeply loved friends now, um, you know, who work with dragons and, so I would say, you know, when I connect with them, it's it's just an impactful experience to to be in their communities that host our students so graciously, and, um, and so that's that's just a special experience in general. Now I would say, pre dragons, um, I studied abroad in India when mm. I was in college, and uh, I was twenty at the time, and and my independent study was on yogic philosophy. And my mentor was this 80-year-old Indian philosopher, and he was blind and a little hard of hearing. And it was it was just a wonderful experience to every day I'd bike to his apartment and uh, just sit down with him over tea and ask him questions about life, really. Wow. And, and it was through the lens of my independent study on, on yoga, but, you know, uh, yoga as a life philosophy and and way of being it was was just an incredible mentorship opportunity for this young 20 year old 
Yeah. Curious 20 year old to be with, with someone like that who has experienced life in really rich and wise ways. And, and he was, he gave me his time and we'd sit for hours and, and just talk about life and drink tea. And, um, and I would say that that experience was, yeah, it was really transformational and, um, different. You know, I had nothing like that before in my life. And, I, I love hanging out with folks of, of that generation too. Um, there's just a lot of wisdom that I experience when I'm when I'm engaging um, with people in that stage of their life. Um, so you know, it's a unique experience for a 20 year old. You know? Yes. Um, yeah. Well, I'll touch on because I mentioned the 82 year old grandpa I lived with, and yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so I that was my first homestay and it was about three weeks. And so we had, I'm not sure if it's the same across all courses, but we had this sort of um, introduction party of like inviting the local families to the dragons community house and having dinner together. And then at the end of the night, that was our first night of going off to homestays, probably a week into the trip. Um, And, I was sitting down and this man uh, approached me and we got into conversation and he, uh, in his limited English and my almost non-existent Indonesian at that time, he was asking me about what I do and what I'm interested in. And at some point it came up that he taught or he coached basketball and tennis. Mm. And then I was also interested in sports and he really got excited about that and went to our course instructor and asked if I, if he could switch the kid that was supposed to go to his house to being me. And I, I was trying to figure out like who else lives with this man. What's, you know, like, I guess I was expecting like a family to go to. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the night or later in the night, we go back to his house and it's, just him and I based I then realized like I was going to be living with just me and this 82 year old man yeah. for the next That's such a privilege right I mean, yes what an experience and I imagine you had similar feelings with the one-on-one time you had with that mentor you mentioned but at 18 to be forced to sit down and have a conversation with someone of so much so much life experience is like such a yeah like you said a privilege and really not only like calmed me in being able to feel comfortable and curious in that moment but also to realize what I was saying like he has so much life experience and to engage and want to get out of the experience as much as I could yeah yeah, that's great. I love that. Can you tell me a little bit more about your what you remember from your mentorship experience? <laughs> I can. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, gosh, I remember sitting down with him on the first day, and um, you know, he wouldn't. I was kind of coming in with all these very. Um, 
prescribed questions about yoga, mm. uh, asking about certain terms and you know, asking him to describe the philosophy. And he really wouldn't go there. Um, he started asking me questions about life. And in a lot of ways, in the beginning, I was like, oh, man, this has nothing to do with yoga. (laughs) Why are we wasting so much time? I've got a paper to write, (laughs) you know, and then, and then, you know, I slowly realized that he was teaching me about yoga, right? And he would, he would occasionally bring it back to how, what we were talking about, which was often just life related to yoga. Um, and, and he would say, he would say, it's just very unconventional. And, and I appreciated the wisdom of that unconventional style of, of mentoring me and teaching me about something that I think it's easy for a 20 year old college student to go in and, and want to intellectualize what yoga is. Yeah. And, and he brought it into life and, and reality. And, um, and back to the basics, which is really where the marrow is. And uh, I just kind of remember, I started catching on. I was like, oh, I see what's happening here. Just, <laughs> and just it kind of blew my mind. I never necessarily had a teacher that, that did that in, in high school. It was you know, very traditional teaching methods. And um, yeah, he was, uh, he, was, he was a guru, you know. What do you hope Dragon's students walk away with? And I guess mm. they can walk away with so much, but if you, as a leader in the Dragons community, are hoping students get something out of a trip, what are you hoping? Yeah, I mean, I, I hope that they walk away with um, a better sense for who they are and, and their, their beauty in the world, mm. right? And, and how they want to walk in that beauty. Um, and an appreciation of, of um, the variety of human expression out yes. there in the world too. So self-knowledge, appreciation of, of you could say, diversity, um, um, hope. I think Dragons is a hopeful organization. You know, there's a lot out there in the world, uh, at home and abroad, that's deeply concerning. Yeah, you know, we, we need to name all the things. Yeah, and yet dragons is hopeful, um, and 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 our community is hopeful and charged and spirited. And I hope that students leave filled with that spirit of hope and um, um, and and kind of get a sense for how they fit into how they as unique individuals fit into the larger context. And, that they feel charged by life and, and, and psyched for it to engage in it and sink their teeth into it. And, um, you know, I get it. I I'm curious about the different dynamics from adult programs to student programs. Yeah. How do you approach them differently? Um, I would say that, you know, we're, we're trying to approach them differently in terms of what's needed, but also not that differently. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I think our what we've really come to appreciate and understand is that uh, the the Dragons experience historically, you know, high school and gap students is really applicable to adults. And as adult, an adult myself, I, I, I like, love going on a Dragons program. Um, 
So a lot of the learning that we're deeply committed to meaningful exchanges between humans. Uh, I think a lot of adult programming out there is it's very much the tour model and not as not as much engagement. And so it's our programming is similar in that way where we're trying to facilitate experiences for people that that give them opportunities to feel connected um, in different cultures and with different people. Um, certainly some things are, are quite different. You know, we don't feel like we need to challenge adults as much uh, physically per se. Yeah. Right? So our, our trekking is more like hiking. Um, um, the homestays are less, are less, um, I would say there's more accommodations uh, yeah. for the adult population. Um, um, and if the pace is slower, right? The pace is slower. And other than that, our goals are fairly similar um, to foster these experiences that you know, our participants feel connected to themselves and others and, and leave the course feeling, feeling that connection and, uh, and that hope, you know? Yeah. That, full, that fullness, that wholeness of being human. And uh, I don't think that really changes too much from feeling, being a student on a summer program or an adult. Um, you know, I think that we're all yearning for that feeling of wholeness and connection. Yeah, I guess I'd also be curious to understand the different approaches, you know, because like an 18 year old is coming mm -hmm. from possibly more of a, I guess, a less understood um, way that the world works in a sense, whereas maybe on the flip side of that, the adult sort of potentially could be more rigid in uh, their understanding of the world, or mm -hmm. at least just more of a frameworked understanding of the world. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm just not even asking a question necessarily, but yeah. just yeah. touching on how they're coming in to these programs from those two different perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think that it is hard to articulate the difference. I think that, um, they're both, both 18 year olds and 48 year olds, yeah. 68 year olds are coming into um, these experiences, um, often over programmed and too busy, um, in their normal lives, yeah. right? Yeah. That high schoolers are, are, have faced incredible pressure. Um, and so do adults, you know, through their professions. Um, and so life is, is often busy and we learn about the world in a specific way. So I think for both demographics, a Dragon's program is, is as much about unlearning as it is about learning. Wow. Yeah. I like um, that. And, and yet that unlearning, I think you're right that it's, it's certainly different. Um, right. I think that. Uh, an 18 year old and a 58 year old are reflecting on their lives in different ways. Yeah. But, um, but that process is really similar, actually. You know, we, we had a participant on our adult program in Nepal, and when he did a homestay, he was paired with in, in a household that had a father the same age, and they both wow. had daughters the same age. And so they found themselves reflecting on life in similar ways. 
And that's kind of like Winter Dragons. 18-year-old student goes into home state and, and connects with their home state brother. Um, and so I think you're right that the, the, the content is different, but the process might be pretty similar. Um, I think humans are kind of going through these, these similar processes throughout, throughout the decades, um, asking different questions for sure. Um, yeah. But asking questions on the last, you know, who am I? Why do I matter? Yeah. How do I fit into the world? Those questions never yeah. really <laughs> stop. And, uh, you know, I've always, uh, I love dragons and have kind of dedicated my life to dragons because it's such a wonderful community and, and platform to ask those questions that, that I know I'll never stop asking. Yeah. I, I want to be respectful of your time. Do you have time for a couple more questions? Sure. Will you share one of your most awkward travel moments or cultural miscommunications that you can remember? <laughs> hmm. Gosh, well, the, the, the memory that pops into my head mm -hmm. is I was in my homestay <clears throat> um, in India. Again, I was, I was 20. And when I first got to the homestay, they were showing me this, this house, very modest house, and uh, there was two bedrooms, and there was a mother, father, and two children, um, a little younger than me, probably teenagers. And they showed me to my room, which was, you know, it came at that queen-sized mattress and, you know, decent-sized room with a bathroom, and, and then they showed me the other room, and it was where all four of them would be sleeping for the next two months, I think. Yeah. And I remember just feeling just so awkward. Yeah. Like, no, I'll sleep on the couch. Um, I don't want to, I, I, I learned, I discovered quickly that I was basically taking the parents' room, which, you know, made me feel very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I, uh, yeah, that discomfort was, was real. Uh, um, but it turned out really great. And uh, <laughs> another memory that comes yeah. to mind is they love to watch The Terminator, the movies, The Terminator. Yeah. And, uh, and then also the Indian version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. So <laughs> I just found myself at first be feeling really awkward about, wait, I'm in India studying yoga. Why am I watching The Terminator? <laughs> and Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And, uh, and then I realized, no, this is, this is actually exactly what I should be doing, you know, hanging out with my family, my new family, and, and watching TV with them every night and, and laughing about, you know, the real things in life. And uh, So that awkwardness turned into normality, and it was, it was you know, one of the highlights of my college experience is that those two months living with that family. Yeah. Um, under the poster of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I was just trying to think of a um, cultural miscommunication or just an awkward moment in my travels. And I, I mean, it's not as culturally interesting, but I remember, so I got up at like, or my grandpa who I was living with, 82 year old man said, we're going to go play tennis tomorrow at, I believe it was like 5am. And so got up and I can play some, like I can, I played a year of high school tennis and we go to this indoor facility and we play with these other men who have to be over one might have been 65 and the other had to be 80 as well. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I, I can play with these guys. Like, you know, they're 
old, they can't move sort of thing. And the whole time I'm playing, I'm the one like running around and like <laughs> hitting a shot back, just barely get, you know, not placing it well. And yeah. then I, my, me and my grandpa playing doubles with these other, this other couple, um, we ended up losing. And I was like, you know, when people asked to, when I got to the program house, it's like, oh, like they're 82 and like, I'm sure it was like not that much of a game. And I'm like, yeah, I definitely like lost us the game essentially. <laughs> um, so that was kind of That's a great. funny That's memory. Great. I have one more question and yeah. it can be as directly related to dragons or not, but what book has had the most influence on you? Yeah. So as a as a father of two young boys, reading has become slightly far and few in between. Yeah, uh, I'm reading a book right now um, called The Overstory, and uh, it's about trees mm -hmm. and humans' relationship with trees, and, and in particular deforestation. And that 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 book is really hitting home right now for me. Um, so it's the first thing that came to mind. It's not my all-time favorite book ever, yeah. But it's 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 hitting me at a really uh, you know important time in my life where you know I you know as a as a father of young kids I, I want to make good decisions in my life and live in according to my values and, and this book is bringing up a lot for me just in terms of uh, my impact on the world and um, relationship to to uh, forests. <laughs> <laughs> as a metaphor yeah um boy so many good books out there though throughout the years um uh one of my favorites is a fine balance it's a it's a story that takes place in india about uh, just the, the knife edge balance of of you know the human experience and how it can tip um towards suffering quickly and, 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 and beauty quickly. Uh, that book was impactful. Actually, I read it on my study abroad program when I was 20. So a lot, a lot of books there. I also read Siddhartha yeah. on, that, on that program as I was uh, living in an ashram in Rishikesh, India. And that book certainly had an impact on me. Cool. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap up. And... I appreciate you taking the time to do this and yeah thanks for thanks for the opportunity appreciate it we'd love to know what you thought of this episode dragons podcast is new and will certainly evolve please send us an email with your feedback to podcastdragons at gmail.com and if you liked this episode please share it you can also subscribe at apple podcasts or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode where There Be Dragons offers summer travel, gap year, and college study abroad programs in 19 countries. Dragons also offers programs for schools, teachers, families, and adults. Each program is custom crafted by our instructor team who bring their unique vision and expertise to the course design. To find out more, visit wheretherebedragons.com and follow us on Instagram at Where There Be Dragons.